right, guys. Welcome back to the podcast. Uh, Chris, how you doing this weekend? Yeah, well, not good, Clay. <laughs> we This has been the longest week in a long, long season. This is not good. Damage yes. control. It, it's it, bad things are getting worse. Uh, really, really bad games turned into really, really bad weeks. And, uh, you know, was Alabama that good or is LSU that bad? Yeah, man, I don't – both. Yeah, both. Yeah. Um, there, there's <laughs> there's issues abound. And T-Bob Aver, a while back when the Alabama game got canceled originally, he was like, there is no need to play this game. This game is going to set our program back years. And I was like, ah, whatever, man. Like, if, if we can keep them under 60 points and, like, get close to the spread, like, it won't be that bad. Everybody knows we suck. And sure enough, you know, we kept them under 60. We got close to the spread. The defense, like, showed some signs of life. But, like, the week that's transpired afterhand is setting our program back years. Yeah. I want to hear about this life that you saw with the defense because I didn't see a lot of it. Well, the first couple drives. I'm, I'm okay, referring okay. specifically to the first couple drives. And, yeah, they scored on every drive in the first half. But, like, um, you know, we had them in some third and long situations. We we were tackling decently. Like, we, we there wasn't too much busted coverage in the first couple. But, granted, they were playing a conservative game, and then they just they turned the gas on and smoked us. Yeah, I mean, you know, Mac Jones must have been in the locker room sitting there watching Kyle Trask throw for four more touchdowns. And it's like, well, shit, now I got to go up against his bad defense. I might as well throw more. And so he did. And Devontae Smith, just it, uh, he came back. For, it, it's almost as if he came back for a senior year just to kick LSU's ass again because he did it last year. It just yeah. we won the game, but he did kick our ass last year. This year, for some reason, Bo Pelini thought it was a really good idea to put Cordell Flott on the best receiver in the country because he forgot that Derek Stingley is good at playing cornerback. Well, and it, I know I've been a Bo Pelini defender more than I should have and said, like, oh, just give him – it looks like it's getting better. It's improving, da da da, da. But, like, literally Alabama figured out that if they start Devontae Smith on the in the slot and then walk him outside, Cordell Flott is going to line up against him in the slot and then won't switch off of him. Yep. And That's exactly what happened. It worked every damn time, and they just threw yeah. the ball to him. And Alabama beat LSU so bad that they made Eric Gilbert literally quit the team. Like, what? What? Yeah. Uh, it seems to me like something else is going on there. And I just – I don't know if it was the, something that happened during the Alabama game or like this week or what. Or maybe he maybe he wanted to stick around and play the Alabama game and then quit after it. Who knows? But, yeah, man, there's nothing – nothing – there's no good looks coming from the LSU program right now. And it seems like yeah. Alabama set us back 10 years. Yeah, it did, it did feel like that. But um, you, so you talked about T-Bob Hebert, and T-Bob has a radio show in Baton Rouge every morning. But uh, there's a guy named Charles, Charlie Hanegriff who has a show later on in the day, and he's like, look, it gave me a little bit of hope, so I'm just going to go ahead and say it. It's not as bad as it seems. LSU has had setbacks before when Nick Saban got here in the early 2000s. 
He took over the worst team LSU had ever had in their, under, under Curly Holman, which is the last time LSU did not make a bowl. And then three years later, LSU was in the Sugar Bowl. And two years later, after Nick Saban left, LSU won a national championship. And then two years after Les Miles was – two full seasons after Les Miles was fired, we won another national championship. Like, yeah, it ta- you got to hit these next, these next recruits and you got to hit – well, but there is some light that's like, okay, Louisiana's loaded. If you can actually get those recruits and land them and develop them like you have in the past, then it's not quite as dark as it appears. Right now, it looks really dark. It looks really dark in Baton Rouge. And, re- and really, it looks bright as hell in Tuscaloosa, Alabama. I mean, good God. Yeah. Good Lord. It's insane. Frick those guys. Let's move on. Yeah, let's go ahead. <laughs> Texas A&M Auburn. This is the battle of like uh, what I would say inept quarterbacks. But Bo Nix, as stinky as he is, he finds a way to look serviceable at home, which I guess is like uh, that's to be expected. But like the guy stinks. Well, they win the game. They win the game if Bo Nix makes one play. He he missed a play in the first quarter. The running back running out of the flat didn't have anyone by him like 10 yards in his vicinity. Like they would have had to send a postal service worker to mail him a letter. He was so wide open. And like, he, he missed him. He threw it like five yards over his head. Like He, he got excited. He's, He's like, Oh, this is going to make me look sweet. And then. Yeah. Nope. Nope. Yeah. Didn't work. But it, it was, it brought me back to 2010, you know I mean? Yeah. Like, or, or, or 2010s. I mean, just grind out the game. I mean, yeah, there was, it was, the game was in the thirties, but like, it just, just pound the rock, pound the rock, pound the rock, play action pass. On both Hell of mine, man. He's just kind of there. Yeah. He, he's the embodiment of like, just there. If you ask me, like he's been the starter for four years and maybe that's because the coaches have a lot of faith that he's not going to screw it up or something like that. But like, He's just there. He's basically a game manager, despite what they want you to think about him. And like, even as a game manager, like I, it just bugs the crap out of me. And I have such passion. Like I, I really don't like Texas A&M. I like Rush Roberts, <laughs> but I don't like Texas A&M. And uh, <laughs> it just bugs the shit out of me when uh, Kellamond is standing there with his helmet on and someone is talking to him like Jimbo Fisher. And this is what you get from Kellamond. Yeah. Like, blank face. And he's like, uh-huh 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 okay it's like <laughs> yeah uh, no, it just I get drives it, me crazy and it shouldn't but it does for someone who's there though he has amassed a lot of stats i mean he's in statistically he's in the same conversation as tebow and dak prescott that is bs i saw them flash that stat he has a thousand rushing yards less than both of those guys <laughs> that's such yeah BS. they're like oh Kellamon, Dak Prescott, and Tim Tebow are the only players to pass for what was it, seventy five hundred and run for nine thousand, nine thousand, and rush for a thousand, and rush for fifteen hundred was what it was because yeah, yeah. he just. But Dak Prescott and Tim Tebow both have over twenty five hundred rushing yards. No, yeah, he's not as good as them. You're he's talking not. about a thousand yards, like that is just a benign stat. Like it's just kind of there, kind of like him. Yeah, it's like. He, he, that's not just falling forward a couple more times. That's a thousand rushing yards. <laughs> <laughs> uh, but well, 
I, I kind of said this was like two ships passing in the night. And we touched on this with Auburn and uh, in the Auburn Texas A&M interview where like both of these teams have to kind of pick their windows and wait for their uh, wait for their experience to come in and wait until they have a team loaded with juniors and seniors. And then they have a really strong year and kind of challenge everybody. They're not like a reload rebuild program. Um, but this really felt like two ships passing in the night where I think this is Texas A&M's window. They're going to get gutted by, well, unless they have people who, don't leave because anybody, everybody can stay, but they're going to get gutted by exits to graduation in the draft. Auburn, it just got gutted by graduation in the draft. So they're, they're yeah. kind of on the come up. So we're, we're seeing the passing here. And that's yeah, no, that's true. That's true. And it's going to be, that, that is, that brings up a good point. It's going to be pretty interesting to see what happens in this off season when you have players who can come back because this year's eligibility does not count. Um, and what they do that is going to be interesting to see but if if all the players that in a normal year would go go for Texas A&M they are going to be completely gutted yeah same with Alabama I will say same with Alabama yeah but uh, completely gutted Alabama is a very different monster from a completely gutted Texas A&M I don't think you'll have oh yeah I'm not I'm not arguing that for at all I just want to kick Frank a little bit while he's down. Oh, yeah. All right. <laughs> well, he's not down, but maybe he will be down. <laughs> maybe soon. We can hope and pray for it. Man, yeah. that 2030 game where we get them back for everything they've done to us is going to feel real sweet. Um, yeah, for real. for real. All right. Take us through Florida, Tennessee. Yeah. So, I mean, like, Kyle Trask is – they with Florida, it's kind of weird. Like, they'll – come out slow and sluggish and they did it a little bit in this game, and but it, it, like, and they'll kick, kick it into gear. But like, if they do that against Alabama, it's going to be over before they wake up. And like Florida cannot run the football at all. Like they had 29 rush yards against Tennessee, who's not a very good team. Mm-hmm. Tennessee's lost seven games in a row, seven games in a row. And they had 29 rush yards. Like it's insane how they just cannot run the football at all. Every if for like the the only takeaway that I really had from that game watching it was the only shot, the only shot that Florida has next week in the SEC championship game is if everything, everything goes perfectly and Kyle Trask throws like five touchdowns. That's the only, and, and really that's the only way you ever beat Alabama, especially when they're up, is that. You have to have a quarterback have a super, super special game like a Cam Newton, like a Johnny Denzel, like a Joe Burrow, like a Chad Kelly. All those quarterbacks that have beaten Alabama in the past, like they had ridiculously good games against Alabama. And that's what that's the only way Florida stands a chance. Everything has to go perfectly for them. Everything has to go shitty for Alabama. And then um, Kyle Trask has to grab the Heisman trophy by the neck and pick it up and say, Dan, this is mine. This is the only way to take them win. Yeah. Well, and, and so we have in the notes here that it's unfortunate that Kyle Trask won't win the Heisman. And I, I maintain that the winner of the SEC championship game, whether it is Florida or not, is going to win the Heisman. But the way we have that worded, there's no shot that all those things go wrong. And like, we we were saying like A&M is not the fifth best team in the nation. I'm not so convinced that Florida is not the like they're not the sixth best team in the nation. Like they I think they and they got beat by A&M like 
they're well, they're going to run up and down the field against LSU, but um, <laughs> yeah, they are. <laughs> I just don't. They, they, I don't see a way they hang with Alabama, and I wouldn't be surprised if it's an uglier game than last year's SEC championship game this year. The, 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 well, it's going to be more entertaining. Yeah, for, be for, a- for sure. The only thing that I can say that if if Kyle Trask wins the Heisman, he has two ways to win the Heisman. And a win in that in Atlanta, and if they lose in Atlanta, but he throws two more touchdowns than Mac Jones. Well, and he still has to get through this vaunted uh, LSU defense. Yeah, I mean, God, he might, he, since they don't run the ball, he might score six touchdowns. Right. Exactly. I mean, like, so like, the, like uh, the the point of reason I bring that point up is like he could have a Lamar Jackson against Clemson type of game where Louisville lost that game to Clemson, but Lamar Jackson was the only reason that Louisville was even a scream away from Clemson in that game. That's the only way – there's those are the only two ways that Kyle Trask can win the in my opinion. Yeah. Yeah. All right, let's, let's, let's briefly touch on the other two games. Um, yeah. Mizzou, Arky, man. Sam Pittman has those guys fighting. He does, man, and he – Made a bet on his team. You know, he, he was like, look, guys, we're going to do it. We're gonna, I'm betting on you guys. I'm going to go for two, I'm gonna, and I'm going to take the league, and we're going to win this damn game. And then for the first time in the season, Missouri, uh, uh, Arkansas defense was unable to get a stop in a game where it was really in doubt. You know, they, they, they struggled a little bit against LSU, but, I mean, really, Arkansas defense has been pretty solid throughout the year. And then Missouri got the ball with, like, 40 seconds left and just drove right down the field and kicked the game-winning field goal. Well, it's that kind of leads into the next point and our interview is that Missouri is sneaky. <laughs> just like we said, Arkansas was sneaky. They've won five in a row in their rank. Like, I think Missouri is a lot better team than anybody's giving them credit for. for I think sure. that they snuck up on a lot of people. Yeah. I, like we talked about it in our interview with Robbie. Um, he was like, you know, the playoff committee just kind of was like, I won at five and three. I guess you might as well rank them. Let's do it. We <laughs> did offer. Let's do them. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> um, but yeah. All right. South Carolina, Kentucky. What's your thought on that one? Well, I mean, it was a blowout. I don't really care that much about the game. Like those teams are <laughs> relatively, mostly irrelevant, but uh, especially in this season. But um, South Carolina hired a new coach. And I talked to Sam uh, and I was like, look, man, what's your thoughts on South Carolina and the coach? And Beamer is uh, very well received. That's for sure. Really? Yeah. Yeah. He's uh, he, he was on Steve Spurrier's staff. And, oh, uh, okay. So Lattimore and uh, Clowney and all those guys uh, really went to bat for him. was like, y'all need to hire this guy. Okay. That's, that's different what I heard because I heard – like, you know, every, every, every coaching change that happens this year is going to be funded by boosters. And boosters yeah. are like uh, – I read, I read someone had an opinion piece and they were like, the reason boosters spend so much money on firing coaches is because when you're that rich, all you can spend your money on is things that give you joy. And, like, watching your alma mater win is something that can give you joy. And so someone explained the Shane Beamer hire. They were like, can you imagine having just shelled out $15 million of your personal money 
to fire Will Muschamp and say, go find someone and turn around and here we got Shane Beamer after talking about getting like Brett Venables and all these other big <laughs> names. It's like some coordinator from the big 12. Like, uh, so I thought that's interesting to hear Sam's perspective is different. Yeah. So, uh, well, I mean, and granted, I love Sam, but he's not someone who's paying $15 million for a buyout. So, <laughs> so, uh, you know, I don't know. I don't know if he's, if, his perspective is different than the boosters perspective, but from his perspective and from what he's hearing from the fan base, they're super pumped about it. So we'll see what happens. And I mean, he's the son of Frank Beamer. Frank Beamer is a, is a guy who spent like 40 years at Virginia Tech, got them to a lot of very, very big bowl games, got them into national prominence. Virginia Tech is still a relevant program only because of Frank Beamer. Yeah. There's something to be said for that too. And so, you know, and, and Shane Beamer can do the same thing in South Carolina. Good for him. We'll see. Um, all right, let's let's get into previews. LSU, Florida. Yeah. It's gonna be ugly, man. <laughs> yeah, boat race. It's boat race time. The yeah, I mean, Kyle Gainesville Regatta. Contrast. Wait, what's that? They call it the Gainesville Regatta. <laughs> yeah, I mean, look, like Kyle Trask is gonna take this game is an opportunity to say okay i have a lead on touchdowns on matt jones i need to extend it as much as possible so i have a shot at winning the heisman <laughs> that's it he's, he's probably gonna throw for seven and dan mullen's gonna be like he's he's a guy who's gonna throw run up the score like nick saban had every opportunity and every reason to run up the score and he did and you say what do you want about him but he didn't run up the score all that much is that gonna happen kind of shut it down Dan Mullen's not going to do that. He's a dick. Yeah. yeah. I mean, he – yeah, he's going to run it up. But, I mean, he's got Florida looking good, and they struggled through two bad head coaches, but they t- they found their guy and uh, yet to see if he can get them to the promised land, but he certainly has them playing national caliber football. That's for sure. He's an enigma, though, man. He's an enigma. Like he, he, like sometimes they come out pretty much every single game flat this year. Like yeah. it's like, oh, we're Florida. Roll the balls out. We'll beat everyone. And they wake up in the second quarter and score like six touchdowns in the second quarter. And then, and then in the, third, in the second half, they kind of shut it down. Like you know that they did it against Vanderbilt. They did it against AM, They did it against. Uh, I did it this week against Tennessee. They're yeah. just a weird team. Well, it's, it just reeks of 2012, 2013 LSU, where it's like they don't try in the first half unless they're playing a team that they know is on their caliber like Georgia, or I'm sure they will against Alabama. Yeah, that's true. Um, and, and then on the flip side, Coach O's, hot, Coach O's seat is hotter than it's ever been, and it he can't seem to find an ice cube. Like every – news release every press conference every tidbit that comes out his seat gets hotter and hotter yeah so we did our interview for this game on monday night we're recording this intro on wednesday night and wednesday night lsu decided that um we're not going to participate in the bowl game so um you know i'm not upset about it because i don't really know if we need to watch this lsu team get dominated again but you know, I, like every, like you said, every single thing that comes out in the press is just terrible. And like it, the Eric Gilbert situation just is, it makes no sense. It makes so little sense. And so much of what's happening in Baton Rouge makes so little sense right now. 
Yeah, it's mind-boggling. And to think that, like, nine months, or I guess it's December shit, 12, year, 12 months ago, we were saying, like, LSU's going to go on a Death Star run. They're the team of 2020. This will never end. O's the guy. He's not going anywhere. He's building it like crazy and then just sucks. Yeah, it does. It really does. But, hey, look, let's get it. Let's get into a game that's not going to bum us out. Yeah, yeah. And it's the only ranked matchup of the week, you know? Woo! Yeah, Missouri time, baby. Georgia. <laughs> we, we, when we decided to cover this game, it was like, okay, we've covered Missouri once, we've covered Georgia a lot, but like we wanted to get a second game, and then all of a sudden it, it like fell on our lap. Like, oh, wait, there's a ranked matchup now. Let's go. Hell yeah. Yeah, no, and we talk about it a lot. I think we we say Flea Flicker in the 20 minute interview more than I've ever said Flea Flicker in my life. But like Eli Drinkwitz, the, the, the thing about Missouri, and they were like this with Barry Odom, but they're like, they're fun. They have some kind of like fun edge to them. And the offense Eli Drinkwitz has running up there is like, it's fun, man. They're running multiple reverses. I'm sure we'll see a flea flicker against this UGA defense. Like they are as nerdy as he is, man. They're playing fun football. Yeah, man. Like, I don't, I don't, he, he has found a way to motivate those boys to play. And he's, I don't know how long he's going to be in Missouri because what he's done there in such short order with very little talent because he doesn't have a lot of talent because he came in pretty late is just, it's remarkable. Yeah. Yeah. But I mean, speaking of how well he did, um, Missouri is like crushing it at the head coaching hires. Like I know they just fired Barry Odom, but like he had a really good run too. And they, they're not a big name football school. It's not like they can go out and get whoever they want, but they're finding their spots and doing a really good job at it. Well, Barry Odom was good for, for like a year or two. And the wheels, he was, he took over for Pinkle. And then the wheel after, after Pinkle's guys left, the wheels kind of fell off. And now Barry Odom's a good defensive coordinator. Um, yeah. But he, he, he struggled to run the program, but look, like, Let's let's talk on the other side of the ball because this is really the good team. I mean, Missouri is a good, is a good team, but they're very gimmicky. Georgia's a legitimate power, and JT Daniels has figured out a way to convince Kirby Smart to throw the football to bring the Georgia offense in this 21st century, and it's not painful to watch now. Like they're actually good on offense. Yeah, they're gonna look even better once they get Eric Gilbert on that team. Yeah. I hate them for that. I hate them so much. But the thing about Georgia is, and they recruit like crazy. They, they're always at the top of the recruiting standings, but they never have a player who's like a household name. You know what I mean? Like LSU had Joe Burrow and, you know, many names that we know, but, and then Alabama always has like a Mac Jones, a Tua, AJ McCarron. Florida has, you know, the Tebow factor, but then Kyle Trask and all these other names like you yeah, Kyle Pitts, like you really know about. Georgia is just a machine, and they chew you up and spit you out, but, like, they're like a faceless machine, and they just have dudes all over the field. But they're never, like, household names. And I don't know what it is about it, but um, I thought that's interesting. You know, interesting. Yeah, that is interesting. And, you know, like, this is kind of a game for the future because you're if JT Daniels comes back, Georgia's in a position now with the legit quarterback that, they, that Kirby Smart has never had and a lot of that is Kirby Smart's own doing. But if JT Daniels does come back, he could be what Justin Fields could have been for him. Yeah. And, you know, like, if he does come back, 
and Missouri seems to be trending in the right direction. He's a guy like this is a game for the future of the East because we talked about Texas A&M getting ravaged in the NFL draft. Florida does not have a lot of talent returning next year either. Mm. And so we're going to have next year. You could realistically see this matchup next year being the battle for the East crown, which has, I don't know if this has happened. That's happened since Missouri last represented the SEC East in the first two years. That was nine and eight years ago. Yeah. (laughs) Oh, it's still crazy to think about, but okay. Yeah. yeah. Oh man. All right. Let's kick it to the fans. Yeah. We're, we're petering out here. Let's kick it to the fans. (laughs) See you on the other side. All right. Welcome to the fan interview for this week. Uh, one of two, um, the first interview for this week, we've got LSU in Florida part two our second week covering this show after it originally got, or uh, this game after it originally got canceled by COVID uh, joining us from two tailgate accounts. We've got tailgate Florida, Dom. Thanks for coming on for the first time. Thank you for having me. Yeah, absolutely. And then from LSU, uh, third time on the show, Max from tailgate LSU. Thanks for coming on. Max. What's going on guys. Thanks for having me back. Hey guys. So um, this game's super interesting. Obviously these two fan bases, they're, they're both the two most hated fan bases from where I sit. And I, I watch these fan bases interact with other, other schools. They're the two most hated fan bases across the conference. So I'm going to start with Dom. Dom, in your opinion, what makes Florida so widely hated amongst everyone? So we've interviewed a lot of SEC East teams, and they kind of, like, are indifferent about the other schools. They just are like, yeah, you know, I respect Georgia. I respect Tennessee. But fuck Florida. So, like, what, what, like what's the deal there? Um, I think it stems back from, you know, the 90s with Steve Spurrier trying to run up the score and just having that kind of arrogant attitude about Florida football and we're going to try and drop 60 on you. And then on top of that, it transforms to nowadays where we have Dan Mullen. He's known to drop a couple of one-liners, but also like in-game on the field. Florida wins games against teams in the most ridiculous of ways. Like we beat Tennessee on a Hail Mary in 2017 we beat Tennessee on a fourth and 14 in 2015. We've come so close to losing to Kentucky each of the last, you know, four years, 17, 18, 19, and, you know, maybe not 20. But we just have very creative ways of winning games, and I think that irritates a lot of fan bases. And then probably comes on a little bit of the fans themselves, and people probably just think we're overrated. <laughs> I, so my observation here as a you know non-professional is that the Florida football players are like meaner why are they so mean yeah um that's a great question <laughs> I think some of it depends on um, the whole DBU so Florida versus LSU this week it's a battle of DBU and not I can this year yeah not this, <laughs> not this year so uh <laughs> I believe there's another acronym being used for DBU for LSU after. Uh, oh, that- yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> but Florida hasn't been too good of a DBU either. I mean, we've had some players that have been um, some highlight reels for other receivers in some games, but luckily we've been able to win some. Plus, the defensive scheme isn't helping us with the DBU claim. And it's a lot of people just see Florida as overrated. Like, what are they talking about? DBU or, you know, offense, defense, whatever. A lot of people just think it's overrated. That's why they hate yeah. it. What's yeah, the other acronym? Yeah, well, yeah, what is the other acronym? <laughs> Just uh, so we can air it out. I'm not much of a swearer. Uh, Max, do you want to 
Do you want to? Yeah, it's uh, Devontae's Bitch University. <laughs> <laughs> uh, oh, man. man. That's pretty That's good. Not that, was wrong. <laughs> that was tough to say. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, going back to Steve Spurrier, man, I remember in the late 90s, he was up by like 35 in Baton Rouge playing play LSU and ran a double pass trick play in the fourth quarter to go up by 40. <laughs> I think that you're right. I think that a lot of that animosity comes back from the nineties with Steve Spurrier and running up the score. And then and there's a little bit of Urban Meyer there too. He did, he did a little bit of that himself. So uh, kind of rekindled some of that hatred. Totally agree. Yeah. <laughs> so Urban Max, Meyer definitely did some of that. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So Max, what, 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 what do you hate about LSU fans? Like, why does LSU hate L? Why does everyone hate LSU? Because everyone hates LSU. Like, like Alabama fans, they're undefeated. They're probably the greatest team ever, minus 2019 LSU. And they're celebrating, ripping their shirts off as Devontae's mossing Derek Stingley <laughs> in the back of the end zone. Like, why do fans hate LSU so much? Um, so I've seen – one guy actually had an interesting theory on the Bama thing, on the whole Alabama fans. Uh, he just – you know, he said the 2019 LSU team is better than any team Bama's ever fielded, and then and they can never get over that, and that's why they hate us so much. But personally, I just think it's the way the fans act. I mean, we have gotten just – I mean, Alabama has run through us like a freaking pizza for 10 years, and we and after the 2019 game, we act like we've owned them for the last three decades, you know, like, and we barely beat them by five points with two on a gimp leg. And uh, and so, I mean, it's just kind of a combination of the way the fans act all the time at the game, you know, whether it's a blowout in one favor or the other. Uh, the fans, including myself, always seem to have an excuse for every single loss that we have, uh, whether it be a bad call, a lucky play, an injured player. Uh, it, you know, L LSU fans can be a lot to handle sometimes. And then there's a lot of uh, – I noticed LSU players are very, very active on Twitter, especially, especially when the whole DVU conversation comes up. We we got a lot of characters that do not shy away from confrontation over social media. I'll say that. Yeah, there's definitely some truth to that. With guys like Jamal Adams and League, never, never shying away from an argument. But in the same vein, you know, you got C.J. Gardner Johnson representing Florida. I mean, I'm a Saints fan, and that dude can talk some shit. I love him now, but I hated him whenever he was in Florida. I, I just want to know what he's. I want to know what he's telling these guys. He gets everyone to swing first on him. <laughs> he's That's like the John Wims was incredible. <laughs> <laughs> oh yeah <laughs> if there was one person to mic up in the nfl i think i would pick cj gardner johnson like yeah I, way, I gotta know what he's saying yeah. i just want to know i just want to say this as a side note i find it really funny that the javon Wims cj gardner johnson happened the the week right before florida georgia and now russell gage and cj gardner johnson got into it the week right before <laughs> lsu in florida <laughs> oh that's a good point he's picking his targets <laughs> another like another I guess I made an observation about Florida I should make one about LSU is like we have won a decent amount of national championships in the last 20 years like in the modern era of college football but like LSU fans and myself included act as if we're like in the same conversation of 
as Clemson, Georgia, Alabama, or whomever is like in that top tier. But I mean, barely because we got one in 03, 07, got close in 11, and then 19. It's like they're so sporadic, but we act like we're, you know, cream of the crop. Maybe that has something to do with it, too. Probably. <laughs> but I mean, it's deserved. We're cream of the crop. So. And then viral locker room <laughs> videos, right? LSU's 2019 win. Roll time. Oh, yeah. Yeah. I mean, that, <laughs> that didn't help. Yeah. It's kind of, yeah. I would. Uh, I would, I would try and walk that back if I could. So, all right, let's move on to uh, question question two, and this is kind of focused at Florida with a rebuttal option for Max here. But um, Kyle Trask is currently having a Joe Burrow-type ascension, you know, from relative obscurity. Uh, a decent season last year kind of came from nowhere but wasn't setting the world on fire. But this year he's really made that next jump and has really kind of lightened it up. Um, so, Dom, talk – Talk to us about the comparison of Kyle Trask to Joe Burrow and whether or not you would, you know, trade the two if you had the option. Well, Joe Burrow, um, incredible athlete. He's a little bit more um, lighter on his feet. Kyle Trask, as much as we try to hype up his athleticism, he's not one of the best runners in the world. They both throw accurate targets to their receivers. Kyle Trask and Joe Burrow have very talented receivers at Florida and LSU, um, respectively. Kyle Trask just seems to be developed. Um, one of the attributes of being under Dan Mullen, Joe Burrow had uh, Joe Brady at LSU. Joe Burrow also was in a good scheme with a very great offense with a lot of talent around him. Dan Mullen's helped, you know, Kyle Trask doing that, putting Kyle Pitts around him with Trayvon Grimes and just developing the offense. Kyle Trask has a little bit more time. So it was honestly, from a Florida standpoint, it was only a matter of time before he started doing something in games I think throwing a lot of just throwing like easy 15 yard passes 20 yard passes you know Dan Mullen's not really big on going deep he just kind of puts the best guys out in the field and he puts he schemes around his his guys who he has and LSU does a really good job of that as well so the similarities are definitely there uh Kyle Trask isn't getting a lot of help with the stat padding like maybe Joe Burrow was last year <laughs> what's that what talking to joe about? burrow no, 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 come on errors. wait hang on hang on <laughs> okay joe burrow overall is like maybe it wasn't really stat padding but joe burrow throwing six touchdowns against vanderbilt you know six touchdowns against georgia southern cal Trask throws three touchdowns against vanderbilt dan mullen's like all right buddy you're out emory jones in because we have to satisfy emory jones because he's going to be the next guy next year and we can't have him transferring we'll so, see the, the key the key to that is to have a sub poor defense and then Kyle Trask needs to keep throwing touchdowns. <laughs> the equation is simple. It's actually a smart theory. You know, you give up more points so Kyle Trask can uh, get, get some more yards, get some more touchdowns. Yeah, some more pub, some more free pub. Got to win the Heisman somehow, right? Yeah, that's right. <laughs> Max, take us to the flip side of that. I mean, compare Kyle Trask and Joe Burrow from your eyes, and I think I know your answer, but would you swap them? <laughs> um, so – no way I would ever flop anybody for Joe Burrow, especially in that 2019 scheme. Uh, I will give Kyle Trask a lot of credit. Uh, he, I'll say this for for both Burrow and Trask, it would it would take a lot for someone to screw up the situation they were in, with all the help they had around them. But I mean, they you know, they both did a, have done a tremendous job of executing the game plan that they've been given. 
you know, with Burrow, you had, you know, Terrace Marshall before he got hurt and kind of had a couple of bad games in the first three games this season. It was looking like he possibly could have been a Bolitnikov finalist. And on top of that, he was the third receiver in that Joe Burrow offense. So Joe had a ton of talent around him. And then you look at Kyle Trask this year and he's got guys like Tony and Pitts and Grimes. And last year he had Tyree Cleveland. And, you know, I think they're both very good fits for the offensive scheme they're trying to run currently. However, the one thing I will say that Kyle Trask may lack in a in a Heisman type discussion is that magic kind of playmaking ability. You know, like the like Joe Burrow against Georgia's, you know, against Georgia in the SEC championship in 2019. That's, you know, that's a play only Joe Burrow can make. You know, some of the stuff Cam Newton would do or Johnny Manziel against Alabama, just kind of stuff like that. That might be the one area where I say Kyle Trask uh, lacks. I kind of feel like his his performance will go as far as his line allows it to, you know. And that's not to take anything away from Kyle Trask. He's great in the pocket, but he's not someone who's going to scramble out of three tackles and throw it across his body 40 yards downfield for a touchdown, you know. Well, one thing that Chris kind of highlighted throughout that, or to ask this question, is both these guys came from complete obscurity. I mean, a guy like Kyle Trask literally did not start a single game in high school, and his first start came as a redshirt junior in Tiger Stadium. Like, that's just absolutely (laughs) ridiculous story. And now he's the odds-on favorite to win the Heisman. I mean, Dom, I don't think that you covered this, but do you think that Joe Burrow could do what Kyle Trask is doing this year in Dan Mullen's offense? Definitely. Joe Burrow would probably throw 70 touchdowns in Dan Mullen's offense. Dan Mullen, <laughs> Dan Mullen is making a lot of really maybe decent. I'm not saying Kyle Trask is decent. I think Kyle Trask is really talented, but Dan Mullen has made Alex Smith look elite. Not saying he isn't. He's made Nick Fitzgerald look elite. Um, Dan Mullen has made a lot of players look very, very elite because of schemes. So I think Joe Burrow, because he's very talented, Joe Burrow would probably throw, you know, 70, 80 touchdowns, break a record, drop 60 on Bama. You know, who knows? I'd love to see Dan Mullen and Joe Burrow in an alternate universe. Kyle Trask, I agree with Max on he's not really going to do too much of the gifted, you know, abilities, but he can punt Penn, Tennessee down at the three. <laughs> hey, that was an excellent shout out of Nick Fitzgerald as a nobody because I, I he came across his Twitter a little while ago and it wasn't too long ago he was torching LSU. Um, but he's now like selling real estate, which no offense, Clay, but like that's a that's a, a mighty fall from grace, so to speak, from that guy to now he's just kind of just like everybody else, you know, working a normal job. Yeah, for those of y'all who don't know, my normal job, not my podcasting job, is to sell real estate. So, um, guys, Dan Mullen's been at Florida for this is his this is his third year, and uh, Orgeron's in his fourth year. So Dan Mullen's a year behind Coach O. Obviously, in Coach O's for a third year, um, LSU wins a national championship, undefeated season, 15-0. and 0, Greatest season, arguably, ever in the history of college football. Dan Mullen's doing some great things right now. Not quite to what Orgeron did last year. I think Orgeron had a lot of help in that last year. Max, long-term, who are you thinking? You think you sh- we should stick with Coach O, or would you prefer to have Dan Mullen right in the ship? It, that's that's tough to say because it's tough to say how much of this season can be chalked up to it's tough to say how much of these last two seasons can a be chalked up to how much help coach o had around him 
and B, how much of this season is just COVID, losing 30 players, losing your whole coaching staff, not having an off season. So, you know, at, at the moment, I'm still going to have to go with Coach O because he has won a championship. He has assembled and recruited the best team of all time. You know, I, I don't care if all you got to do is be a good recruiter. If you can put together the best team of all time, you know, go for it. You're my guy, you know. So as of right now, I'd stay Coach Coach O. But if he has a couple more seasons like this, I I, I don't know how much longer he's going to last in Baton Rouge. You know, fan a patient LSU fan is a non-existent. You know, it's it's just something that doesn't exist. So currently, I am dead inside. <laughs> yeah, I was I was just typing to Clay. We have some show notes that we you know pass notes back and forth while we're talking. Um, and I said, this question changes a lot with the news uh, for those who no one knows, but we're recording this and we just got news that Eric Gilbert might be transferring from LSU. So like we've got three really somber dudes and Don, you're probably feeling pretty good. <laughs> I'm feeling good. Dan Mullen is the guru of the transfer portal. Let me tell you. <laughs> yeah, dude. Yeah. You, Kyle Pitts 2.0. Uh, yeah. Kyle Pitts 2.0 is out there. Just FYI. Yeah, we hopped on this call, and right before we started recording, Max just decided to ruin my life and tell me that Eric Gilbert was leaving LSU, and now I'm sad. Max, defend yourself, please. Oh, there's rumors going around right now. Uh, at the moment, it's it's looking like a for-sure opt-out of the season. Uh, it's, that's a shame because I was looking forward to seeing the two most physically gifted tight ends of all time go at it. But uh, – you know, it looks like we might, we probably won't get to see that this week. We'll get to see the one for the for the bad guys, but you know, as far as Eric Gilbert goes, as of right now, it's looking like an opt out. We'll see if it's a transfer. Hopefully not. Just I'm I'm praying it's not. There's a lot of people down south that are praying that it's not. <laughs> Dumb. Let's let's change gears a little bit. Let's get let's get on to. Well, happy for you, sad for me again. But uh, and this this whole conversation is just sad because LSU sucks this year. But uh, Dom, Dom uh, who who would you rather write the ship? If, if you had to pick someone to build a program with, are you going with Dan Mullen? Or are you going to go with Edo, who's won a championship, but th this year has fallen out of grace a little bit? I'm going to go with Dan Mullen. You know, no bias because it's Florida, but Dan Mullen has been on championship teams. He gave us two – uh, national championships as an offensive coordinator under urban Meyer. So he's definitely been in the environment of building, building championship teams. So he knows what he knows what he needs to do to build a championship contending team uh, at Mississippi state, Mississippi state in 2014 under Dan Mullen was one win away, one fluke Ole Miss victory away from going to the playoff two sec teams in the playoff that year. So Dan Mullen definitely has shown that he's able to build contenders around in different places you know, he built Mississippi State down from whatever they were at in 2009 to fast forward five years later in 2014. They're one went away from making the playoff. So then he comes back to Florida and Florida was in shambles after Jim McElwain got fired. Like it was yeah. it was terrible. Like players, I heard reports of players paying their own um, personal trainers because the conditioning program at Florida was just not good. Oh, jeez. And then I have never heard that. Good Lord. That's I heard horrible. It. it was terrible. And then Jim McElwain and the whole, uh, the whole death threat, uh, death threats, excuse me, death threats from uh, the Georgia game. That didn't, <laughs> an immediate firing was inevitable. Yeah. Yeah, for sure. 
for but sure. Dan came in and his first thing was, yeah, strength and conditioning. That's going to be a big thing. Brings in his guys to build up the players and the players always in every off season, they post like their bodies before and after and like how much body fat they have and how much percentage of muscle they have. So they're definitely doing a really good job. And Dan Mullins also made our facilities better. You know, he's better in the uniform game. He's uh, making Florida fun again, like watching the, spring game Dan Mullen's first spring game like Florida football finally felt fun something it hadn't been in two years with uh you know coach O really incredible personality does a lot of really good things on the field development he's really good at developing but he's also been fired I don't think he should have been fired from USC I thought he did really good job he did a really good job there but at LSU he's going to be really good at recruiting because it's coach O and LSU has really good facilities I'm taking Dan Mullen all the way just because I know that he has always been in the championship contending environment. And also on top of that, he's always preparing for the future. And LSU last year, I'm not going to say they weren't preparing for the future at the quarterback position. You know, Miles Brennan, Peter Parrish, a lot of other guys got maybe some preparation for the future, but then Miles Brennan gets hurt. And then it's like, okay, TJ Finley. Uh, it's not going to lie. I don't even know the other guy, but players transfer. Dan Mullen's got to prepare for that, but yeah. I think Dan Mullen. The, the other guy's got the greatest porn star name of all time, Max Johnson. Wow. <laughs> so it, both of y'all's answers, I think, speaks really well to the fan bases in that, you know, Dan Mullen fits the Florida model or the Florida school and the Florida team and who Florida's been forever, where it's this incredible offense, these big, mean, fast, like, you know, well-conditioned players who are just, you know, in the right spot trouncing people whereas ed ogeron you know he's got the voice he's got the background he's got the culture i mean he he fits lsu and he doesn't really fit any other school so i think that y'all's answer makes sense there too for sure um all right so let's let's go ahead and close it out this has been fun um so we gave y'all a heads up ahead of time but dom i'm gonna ask you to please say something nice about lsu ahead of the game say something nice about lsu you have to there's no rule there's no way you can skip it so, all right, but um, there's uh, the future is no, I'm not even gonna lie. Uh, <laughs> LSU plays every team very hard, which is honestly scary because I'm not gonna wake up on Saturday thinking that Florida's gonna beat LSU by 40. LSU beat, I mean, they dropped 14 points on Alabama or 17, but the first 14 was scary because I was like, wow, they're actually moving the ball. I watched the LSU Texas A&M game. LSU versus Auburn was close for, you know, a cup of coffee a little bit, but LSU plays every team very close and that's, that's kind of scary. And it's kind of more scary when you realize that if your team loses one more game, they're out of the playoff. <laughs> yeah. There's kind of like a sleeping giant. Like, I mean, if they could just figure it out, they've got the talent to do it, but yet to see them figure it out. Uh, I think Dan Mullen has them headed in the right direction uh, for sure. He's really found a way to, uh, you know, just, you know, like Dom was saying, bring back the old Florida offense that puts up 40 points a game. And then on top of that, Kyle Pitts is the best college football tight end I've ever seen. He's a freak of nature. He's incredible. <laughs> All right, got to get him. If Dan Mullen can get Kyle Pitts in space versus Alabama, because like on the field, like we know how it looks, Alabama versus Florida, but Dan Mullen has to scheme if he wants to beat Alabama. LSU too, we're not – you know, I'm not sleeping on LSU, but if you want to beat LSU and Alabama convincingly to get into the playoff, you just got to put your playmakers in space. Kyle Pitts, get Kadarius Tony the ball in any way possible. 
this is the first year in a while that he's actually like given Kadarius Tony the ball as much as he needed it. He's another Percy Harvin, essentially. If he gets his playmakers in space, just hopefully watch out. All right. Well, this has been really fun. Hopefully it's uh, not a bloodbath on Saturday and it is a, a close game, but uh, we'll just have to wait and see. Appreciate it, guys. Thanks for coming on. Yeah, guys. Thanks for coming on. Appreciate the time. Thank you, Thank you guys. All right, Max, close us out. Say something nice about Florida. All right. Welcome into our second call of the week. And, you know, maybe we should feature this one first because we're recording this on Tuesday night. CFP ranking just came out, and we have a ranked matchup this week between Mizzou and UGA. From UGA, we've got the guys from uh, UGA Tailgate, Parks and Hayes. Welcome back, guys. Yeah, thanks for having us. Good to be back. As always. And then representing Mizzou, uh, longtime guest, but he came on a show that we haven't released because it was a practice episode. Robbie, thanks for coming back on to talk Mizzou with us. Yeah, no problem. Happy and surprised to get the call, but hey, here we are. <laughs> yeah, seriously, who would have thought coming to this season that Missouri is in this spot? I mean, we were like, we were joking in our preview when we did a test run. We we're like, yeah, I mean, Missouri's going to maybe not win two games. And now here you are about to be over 500. Who would have thought? Not me. <laughs> <laughs> so, Robbie, since y'all are the surprise team, um, I want to talk about y'all's quarterback position. I mean, there's been some fluctuations there. I think y'all started a true freshman against LSU. Seems like things have kind of settled down. Where is the fan base's emotions, and, and what did it go? What you go through when you were going through that process of discovering who the quarterback should be at Mizzou? Yeah, so we started out the year, and they were starting Sean Robinson, who's a transfer from TCU, and he just seemed to not be able to throw the ball down the field, and it kind of made our offense pretty predictable, and it just wasn't good. And every time they brought in uh, Connor Bazelak, who's our quarterback now. Uh, he's that he's a redshirt freshman and he'll actually be a redshirt freshman again next year since this year doesn't count against eligibility but uh he he would come in the game and it would just seem like the offense clicked more and he did yeah. that against he did that against Tennessee like halfway I think it was like halfway through the game or late in the second quarter or something and from there I was like man if they had only brought him in earlier what what would have happened in that game and now I think that even more because of how this season has gone so far. I mean, we just – we don't lose that much anymore, I guess. So, that's <laughs> kind of fun. That's always key. Oh, you know, surprise, if you're not losing surprise. as much, it's always fun. Yeah, that's right. <laughs> what a nice little like, oh, cool, man. We're not losing football games. This is fun. I, I told you guys when I, we were on that test run or whatever that, uh, you know, this year was kind of just like, whatever first year head coach in the middle of a pandemic we'll see what happens and this is this is pretty much best case scenario right now. <laughs> like and I wouldn't have th thought that we could beat LSU either but I mean that's a whole nother story for you guys <laughs> we don't want to talk about it yeah, it's yeah a, we don't talk about that very much it's like a Eli drink. Drinkwitz has, fig has figured out a way to trick those Missouri players into not thinking that he's a nerd which is very impressive on him it's great it's crazy man so like you look at him and you obviously think that but then you listen to him talk and you're like well hang on that guy actually sounds like an sec football coach and <laughs> and so he has me completely fooled as well but uh yeah he seems to be a really good coach and he's fun he's fun to watch because we've run a we've run a flea flicker like 10 times we just keep doing it i don't know why 
Y'all did, did it, it three times against LSU. Yeah, we did it against you guys a couple times too. It's it's. I'm just like, our, I guess we're gonna just keep doing that. That's like part of our offense now. It's just like <laughs> a trick play, or whatever. I when I saw y'all come out and do that more than once, I think you like opened the game with it. We and did then did it again on the second drive, and I I may have tweeted it, but I was like, man, are we just gonna see the all flea flicker offense from Mizzou this year? Just every play is a flea flicker. It was so. I think that was the first game we did it, and then the next week we opened the game with another flea flicker. And I was like, "Okay, this is what we're doing. I like it." <laughs> take, <laughs> take notes to our Georgia fans. You might get a, a deep shot flea flicker to start the game. Uh, odds are you will. So changing gears, going over to the coach that looks kind of like the nerd Eli Drinkwitz, but less nerdy. Uh, Kirby Smart had a hard time trying to find a quarterback. Uh, you'll had Stetson been at the fourth while Mathis now it seems like you guys have landed on JT Daniels parks. Tell me about the uh, emotions and what it what it felt like as a fan, like going through this process. I, I went through it a lot in the early two thousands as an LSU fan. So tell me, tell me your perspective. Um, at the beginning I was excited because uh, Jake Fromm had just left. So we were going to get to see somebody new that we hadn't got to see. Like, we hadn't seen a new guy in, like, three years. So that was exciting. And then that turned to annoying, kind of, because nobody seemed to be able to do anything with the football. And uh, the rumor was at the beginning of the season, JT Daniels was a little hurt. And so that's why he wasn't coming in. And uh, he started at the Mississippi State game, and I had the pleasure of going to that game. And that was just awesome because he had about – as a flawless performance as you could have. And uh, I really like watching him. So I hope he stays. Yeah. I mean, him coming in like that, that was, that was very, very impressive. And I, I don't know what y'all think, but the whole injury front was just always questionable. Hey, tell us your perspective on what, what it was like for you watching this, this offense that has a ton of talent kind of flounder around at the beginning of the season. And then as soon as you get that, quarterback superstar everything kind of clicks and y'all are kind of operating like a well-oiled machine um yeah the best way I can describe it is frustrating you know because like you said we had you know so much talent on our offense and just being held back at the quarterback position and coming into this year we knew Florida was going to be a great team and they were going to challenge us for the SEC East and in Jacksonville um in that game we saw the quarterback position, you know, kind of hold our offense back um, and kind of change the outcome of that game. Because I think we threw the ball passing through the air. We had – we went nine for 29 with two intercept. I mean, two touchdowns and three interceptions, you know, which just shows, you know, how ineffective we were moving the ball. And we couldn't keep Kyle Trask off the field, which ultimately, you know, kind of lost us the game. And it was just frustrating as a fan because you're sitting there thinking, you know, we have a five-star, JT Daniels, sitting on the bench. And we're thinking, Kirby, what are you doing? And then he comes out and performs great against Mississippi State. And so all, you know, it's a little too late. I'm glad we found our guy. But you're sitting here thinking, like, why didn't we have JT Daniels playing against Florida, you know, compared to Stetson Bennett, who has been struggling all year? I mean, sets and Bennett's story is a good story for sure, but at a certain point, you just gotta you gotta kind of cut bait if it's not working for you. And I mean, I can I can definitely understand where you're coming from. Having Kyle Trask stay on the field for a long time is a recipe for disaster. 
Uh, he's very good at football and, and very good at what he does. But, um, I mean, having JT Daniels that back there and just kind of riding away and then, you know, you see clips coming out of Juan Mathis warming it up in that game to go replace that's in Bennett. And he pegs a facilities guy or a girl in the head warming up because he can't hit JT Daniels. who's standing 10 yards away from him. I mean, it was just kind of an embodiment of how difficult of a job he had coming in and why, why JT Daniels was playing. It's very confusing. And what was more annoying, like you said, was about the, you know, like, the questionability of if JT Daniels was hurt or not because yeah. you know Kirby we kind of beat around the bush after every game questions would be you know why isn't JT starting because our offense is struggling and he'd say you know well we feel like Dewan and Stetson give us the best shot to win which cannot be true you know I refuse to believe that it's true so we, we never never really know why JT was sitting I, I think it's because he wasn't fully recovered but it is very aggravating that Curry wouldn't come out and, you know, say that or give us the truth. Yeah. Well, so, okay, let's, let's stay with Georgia and kind of talk through the season as a whole, um, get off the quarterbacks and talk through the season. So Georgia, you know, uh, six and two coming into this game, some upsetting losses to arguably the two best teams in the SEC. Actually, I wouldn't even say it's arguably the two best teams in the SEC. So um, you guys have a really, really kind of tough schedule to deal with. But Mizzou is sneakily five and three. They, you know, haven't lost many games, but they've had a lot of interruptions. So it, it kind of went under the radar. Are you feeling confident that, you know, going into this week that you're just going to kind of walk all over Mizzou like Georgia always seems to do? Or are you a little nervous about how this shakes out? Uh, kind of follow up question to that, if you could answer it in the same go, is how's your defense against flea flickers? <laughs> I did not even realize that Missouri was five and three. I just looked it up. I didn't even know they were in the top 25. Um, They're sneaky as shit. Yeah, me neither. I had no clue. This is just like shaping up just like all of Mizzou's SEC East championship runs. It's just like, wait, what? Mizzou? All right. I mean, I'm pretty surprised the college football playoff committee realized we were five and three. We usually just get overlooked. They probably got to the end of the hour long show and they're like, oh. Missouri's five and three. 25 <laughs> looks good there. But, uh, yeah, I just hope now that I see all this, I think that the game will be tougher than I initially thought it would be. Um, I never, I didn't think we'd blow them out because Georgia can't seem to do that to anybody this year. But um, I feel like that the, we'll probably win the game, but it'll be close because we've just – We've struggled everywhere all year, and and our last – who is it again? I think against Mississippi State, our defense struggled a lot and our run game struggled a lot. So, hopefully, we can get the run game going like against South Carolina, and uh, hopefully JT will have a good performance and our defense. Hopefully, they can stop flea flickers. <laughs> I appreciate I know those flea flickers, man. They'll get you. <laughs> Just ask Bo Hampton and LSU. Yeah, they – Thanks for buttoning that up. Hayes, do you echo that sentiment both on the uh, matchup and the flea flickers? Um, you know, I think this could unexpectedly be one of our trickiest games this year. Just because, you know, Missouri out of nowhere, five and three, you're like, what the heck? Um, but, you know, they've shown that they can play well offensively and defensively, you know, against Kentucky and, and South Carolina. 
they play defensive-minded football, but against Arkansas and LSU, they, you know, put up 40 points and show that they can score. And they also show that, you know, they're really resilient in the Arkansas and LSU games, you know, the comebacks that, you know, they're never really out of it. And um, you got to love what Eli Drinkwitz is doing there, you know, the spark he's given to the program. So I think they could, you know, give us a challenge. Um, and like Park said, it's key to have the run game going because our offense cannot be one-dimensional. And I think it's going to be, you know, key to set the tone early and play physically up front. And defensively, we have to play physically and set the tone. Um, but I think it could be a pretty good game. And flea flicker-wise, <laughs> um, you know, I, I couldn't – I don't think we've seen a flea flicker. So, if they score a touchdown on the first play of the game on a flea flicker, um, I wouldn't be surprised, but I wouldn't be happy. <laughs> Um, I love that Missouri's like the way that they're going to score is via a bomb from a flea, flick, flea flicker. Like they've run so many this year that we're talking about it in this podcast. It's kind of ridiculous. Or, <laughs> either a, a flea flicker bomb or a double reverse <laughs> with, with the option to throw a pass if, if he sees someone. <laughs> All right, Rob, Robbie, let's jump in here with you. I mean, we make fun of the Eli Drinkwitz gimmick offense, but. It's, it's definitely rolling for them. Um, are you confident this week or, you know, kind of take us through how you're feeling about the matchup? So as a Missouri fan, that was way too many good things that were just said about Missouri. And like a Georgia fan even being semi-worried makes me be like, no, we're, I am not confident at all. So like, <laughs> I, like this is when it gets too good and then we go down the other way. So it's happened twice with the SEC championship and we're like, oh my gosh, like I can't even believe we're in this thing. And then you get there and you're like, oh, never mind. <laughs> like, wish I didn't watch that or something like that. But, uh, <laughs> but yeah, I'm not – I wouldn't say I'm – I'm not confident at all. Georgia's – I mean, they're better athletes. Still Kirby Smart's a, like an amazing coach. So, um, yeah, not confident <laughs> in the slightest – but uh, if it happens, I mean, this season, it's cut this season again. It's kind of just like, uh, hey, if he wins, he wins. And like, we're like last week after we won, they just announced they're going to build a new indoor facility for, uh, for just the football team, which we currently don't have. All of our sports kind of share a facility. So, like, those little things that like most SEC schools have, we're still trying to get to that level. So, as of right now, that's like a bigger win for us this year. Like if they, like our, our our like athletic department committing further to the football team, and like the head coach, like that's that's what we're concerned about. So this, I mean, the rest of the season for me, obviously, I want to win, but it's just it's gravy if we do. And if we beat Georgia, I mean, that's I don't even know what to say after that. They may they may build a two indoor stadiums. They may give you a cafeteria, a cafeteria or something like that. Yeah, that's right. That'd be awesome. I mean, or I hear those kids like ice cream. By a team in Baton Rouge, you know who knows. <laughs> so, Robbie, we'll st we'll stick with you. Obviously, Mizzou's got three losses; they're out of playoff contention. Florida's already clinched the East. Um, so, basically, you're like you said, you're playing to win, just to, to add some stuff, um, just to add some benefits to Eli Drinkwitz's resume, um, and maybe add some add some uh, indoor facilities and cafeterias, like Chris was saying. Where do y'all go from here? 
Like what's in the future? Do, do you think that, you know, there's, there's a bright future ahead or do you think that Eli drink gets, drink what's gets stolen away? What do you think? You don't even say that. Okay. Yeah. That's our, uh, that's our biggest fear currently. I mean, he's, he's locked in for, I think it's like five years or something like that, but recruits are starting to buy in. We're getting, we have one of our best recruiting classes somehow, during a pandemic. So that's another thing he's doing really well. Uh, I think we're, we crept in like the top 25 in uh, rivals rankings or two, four, seven, one of the, one of those. Um, so, I mean, we were usually in like the 45 to 50 area. So he's, he's done an amazing job with recruiting during this. We have another quarterback coming in next year. Who's like a four star out of St. Louis, which is huge. And we currently have a red red shirt freshman quarterback who, I mean, you'll see it this weekend when he drops back in the pocket. It looks like, I mean, it just looks like he, it almost looks like he doesn't care how calm he is. Like he's not. Oh, I remember. remember. Yeah. He's not, he's not frightened by any like pressure or anything like that, but uh, yeah. Where do we go from here? I mean, if we finish this year, six wins and a, and and maybe a bowl win, that would be, I mean, what, from your perspective, I, I mean, how do you think we could have done better than that? Like, that's pretty damn good. You can. That's awesome. Yeah, that's yeah, incredible. Yeah, that's, so, I know it seems like low expectations, but, hey, it was – this year is just kind of a, a freebie for us, I guess. Well, I mean, we talked about – we've talked about in the past, Robbie. I mean, Missouri coming into the season had an over-under in Vegas on win total at two games. Like, and we were talking about, should you bet the under? Like, that's crazy that they've turned it around this well. And I mean, Eli Drinkwitz, he's definitely a hot commodity. I mean, pay the man, pay the man a lot. Cause, cause he's, he's a really good coach and what he's done in a very short period of time is very impressive. That's for sure. Yeah, I guess, I mean, openings, like you see, I mean, if, if Harbaugh ends up getting fired or something like that, openings at like Michigan schools like that kind of scare me a little bit because like they might try to grab like that the new hot name but, so uh, what's his backstory I know he came from App State but what what what's his backstory past that because he was only at App State for a year so he was under uh I believe it was Gus Malzahn at one of his uh past stops I can't remember where it was Springdale uh, High School yeah yeah, yeah. So that's his, that's him. I mean, App State was his first head coaching job. Gotcha. Gotcha. Well, that's interesting. All right, Parks, we'll start with you for this one. Um, I mean, where, where does Georgia go? What's the future hold? I mean, I know you all are losing a lot of talent on this team, but Kirby, despite some of his faults on the offensive side of the ball, knows how to recruit very, very well. So I'm sure that y'all are not really going to be doing a rebuild, but y'all are going to be reloading. So what do you expect in the future? Um, I expect in the future to be contending for the East, uh, contending for the East again, like against Florida and all the other uh, major teams. And um, I really want to get us to the playoffs again because um, that was just the most exciting time when we, when Georgia was like number two team heading into the national championship. And we will be losing a few big guys like Richard LeCount and Eric Stokes, like two big defensive backs and safeties. But, I mean, I don't think it'll be – it'll affect us too bad because we'll still have JT 
and we also have a a lot of good recruits coming in four and five stars so hopefully we'll be good enough to get to the SEC championship and see where we go from there well so is JT Daniels for sure coming back I know he's eligible for the draft now he he isn't for sure coming back but that's that's my main hope is that he is gotcha yeah I mean he's special for sure Hayes, uh, what what are your thoughts? Where where did where's Georgia go from here? Do you, do you think that you know you're out of contention this year, but in the future, odds are you'll be back. So what do you think? Um, well, like Park said, you know we lose a lot of pieces on defense. Um, you know this really good defensive team, we lose a lot of experience, but I think Kirby has done well enough in recruiting to reload, and I think the focus from here on out is just you know, fixing the offense to where we're consistent, you know, successful at a consistent level. Um, and so that we can, you know, kind of catch back up with Florida. Um, you know, because I think talent-wise we're there. We just have to fix a few things, um, plug in a few missing pieces, and we'll be right back in playoff contention. Um, and I'd say next year we would likely win the East just because Florida will – lose Kyle Trask and Kyle Pitts. Um, you know, I don't want to jinx anything. But <laughs> um, I'd say that would be the standard next year. It's just to win the East and then compete for an SEC championship and then hopefully make the playoffs. Because like Park said, that, that was the promised land. Like, that was the best feeling ever. Yeah, it, it is an incredible feeling. And one thing about Florida to compete in the East for sure is that Florida is going to be ravaged next year. They, they, they're not going to be returning a lot. and They do not recruit as well as Kirby. So I think that you're right there. Uh, Kirby definitely being the stronger recruiter out of the two. Y'all probably be back uh, at least making that a more competitive game than it was this year. Um, probably, I, I would say co- looking at it now, probably winning, but obviously now is – way too far away to really know what the hell's going to happen next year. That's for sure. Yeah. Well, yeah. And you guys recruit so well on players who are already on other teams, like BJ Ojolari and Eric Gilbert yeah. are going to look pretty good in those red uniforms next year. Yeah. <laughs> that should give you a bump on that UF Jacksonville game. All right. So let's, <laughs> let's close out here. Uh, uh, you guys have both been on. We know how to, how you guys like, we, how we like to close out. So, you're going to be battling on the gridiron on Saturday, but let's make friends here. So, Robert, you start us off. Let's say something nice about Georgia. Um, I wish we were as good as Georgia. How about that? Uh, <laughs> that yeah, to, to even think about going to the playoffs, I mean, that'd be – I don't think you would – I don't think anyone in the SEC would like Missouri being in the conference if we went because of how our fans would act. But, um, <laughs> yeah, we wish you, we, wish we, we can attain the – the level that Georgia's at at some point in the next six, seven years. Let's put it at that. <laughs> oh, I'm, I'm ready for it. I love hearing about these obscure fan. I say obscure, more obscure fan bases for those of us who live in Texas and Louisiana and like what kind of a, you know, crazy pandemonium that would cause if they were in the playoffs. And just, I'm, I'm here to see it. I, I'd be pumped. All right, let's go Hayes first and then Parks. Hayes, say something nice about Mizzou for us. Um, I'm going to go kind of along the lines of what I said a few weeks ago with Kentucky. I mean, Missouri is not really one of those teams that I like, but I don't dislike them, you know? And, um, so yeah, you're like 
when you're not playing against us and pulling for you, and you have really cool meetings. All right. All right. Parks, follow that up. Close us out. Um, Missouri is definitely not my least favorite team in the SEC. <laughs> and for the Parks, record, every time you come on and we make you say something nice, you just you just give us levels of dislike of different schools. <laughs> <laughs> and it's it's basically always well, at least you're not Florida, and that's something nice about Missouri. Pretty much. <laughs> All right, cool. Well, this is this has been a lot of fun. I can't wait to watch this ranked matchup. Uh, yeah, yeah. Get my flea flicker eyes on. Get get some <laughs> double reverse going. But appreciate y'all's time. Had a good time. Talk to y'all. Yeah, soon. guys. Thanks. Good luck this weekend. Thanks for having us. Thanks. Thanks for having us. All right, guys. We are back from our interviews. Uh, back on the other side, and um, we're ready to close this thing out. So. Clay, let's get into scores. Let's do the, Let's rip the Band-Aid off. LSU, Florida, what do you think is going to happen? Um, I think Dan Mullen is going to run the score up. I think it's going to be like 75 to 20. I think LSU will be able to score, but um, and not not at will, but like, God, Florida's offense is just so good at throwing the ball, and Bo Pelini thinks that it's a good idea to put our third best cornerback on – Devonte Smith so you know he'll probably put Allie Gay on Kyle Pitts and say go cover you know no, I, he's <laughs> gonna put Jabril Cox on Al, on Kyle Pitts well, yeah let's see how that works that's yeah exactly it's almost a guarantee and it's almost guaranteed not to work yeah I agree with you it's gonna be a boat race Gainesville regatta we said it at the beginning it's gonna be ugly but I think LSU is gonna do their best to do that little like ball control ball control Arkansas game plan um that's the only way they can keep it close. But yeah. Florida can't run the ball. So, you know, I, like we will have opportunities to hold the ball for a long time. Yeah. Well, and the other thing is, is that Todd Grantham wakes up calling blitzes. So he's like, he's going to blitz the entire time. He's going to confuse the shit out of either Max Johnson or TJ Finley. Nothing yeah. good is going to happen. Well, he confused Joe Burrow. So yeah. if he can confuse Joe Burrow, he can definitely confuse either true freshman, whoever starts. Yeah. So a boat race there. What about UGA Mizzou? I don't know, man. I don't know. I think that this is this is a very very sneaky game. Eli Drinkwitz seems to be able to find ways to exploit defenses' weaknesses, kind of like Lane Kiffin can, like in ways where the average eye doesn't really understand it or see it, but he's got a way to find it. And then he runs these gimmicky plays that like have always been the chagrin of. Nick Saban and Kirby Smart's defenses in the past, like it's like these gimmicky plays that like don't shouldn't shouldn't work in no situation ever. But for whatever reason, because they're so disciplined, they forget the backdoor cuts or whatever the hell. And so I think Missouri could keep it close. George is just way more talented, so I think George is going to win. But uh, Missouri, yeah, this is a sneaky game. I mean, Missouri's on a hot streak and. Um, but JT Daniels on that, with that Georgia offense is very good. Yeah, I think Missouri's going to walk out of the locker room and punch him in the mouth and is going to make it look ugly for maybe like a quarter and a half, but then Georgia's going to buckle down, figure it out, and just run away with it. Yeah, I think you're probably right. All right, well, cool. This has been – it's been brutal from a drama and team perspective, but this has been another fun one. So yeah, thanks, thanks yeah. for listening. Thanks for listening, guys. Tell your friends. <laughs>